cartoons, the animated frontier. These are the voyages of the Cellcast podcast. It's continuing mission to explore strange new cartoons, to seek out new animation styles and new creative storytelling methods, to boldly go where so few ever go again. episode ended didn't it apparently ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, just be like yeah things are just mad 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 i tell you <laughs> why thank you and let me use our, our co-host a man who has a tensing and hearing voices in his head welcome drew well yes but that's usually when i'm talking to myself no it's not it's when you're doing all this other stuff and you're doing no it's when i'm talking to myself i know what i'm talking about how are you jacob uh nurse over here now <laughs> All right, let me introduce, let me use our co-host, our co-host, our special guest for tonight. Uh, he was on our last show, but he's getting a new title of this tonight. Welcome, the Panda Father himself. Welcome, Dallas from Geek Devotions. I've been upgraded to co-host. I'm slowly taking over all y'all's podcasts. Apparently. <laughs> My ultimate plan yeah, is to go over you guys. I'm going to take over Retro Rewind next week. Exactly. I'm sorry, what? So I'm taking over you guys. Next week I'm taking over Retro Rewind. That's just the, that's just ah. the plan. Yeah. yeah. I'm taking over like really I, like I took over Gotham. And brave. <laughs> he's he's literally turning into the Roman. We yeah, got that's this. That's what it is. He's 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 ta- he's consolidating all the power <laughs> of the podcast and turning it all into just one empire. The entire Culture Box Media yep. Network all under one thumb. Yep, exactly. And ironically, it's not Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Francisco's my my Maroni. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think we've said his name enough. He ought to be showing up any second now. (laughs) Shots fired. (laughs) Quite literally. (laughs) (laughs) All it's missing is a pacifier on top and the the muzzle. (laughs) Oh me. Oh my gosh. Francisco is the holiday killer. Who'd have thought it? <laughs> Who would have thought God, it? It's, it's right. inconceivable. Well, we already hit the spoiler section of the podcast, children. what you think it means. <laughs> anyway, how are you doing, Dallas? I am doing well. I'm always excited to be here with you guys. Uh, you guys awesome. are a, a bright spot of my day. I'm going to tell you that right now. Well, thank right, you. I thank appreciate you. that. Gracias. <laughs> so, so, have you been able to come up with any additional questions to ask him for the interrogation uh honestly no <laughs> i think it's more of be like the getting into the interrogation of the the torture of what we do with guests uh dallas now that we have solved who the holiday killer is not that we'll be spoiling it on this no, episode until no, after the spoiler warning. Exactly. <laughs> now that we understand who the holiday killer is, huh, I don't know how to proceed with that. Huh. You just started a question without I started knowing a... how the question was going to end. It's ADD. It's called a thing. 
<laughs> but no, it's just like uh, go, going into the world of Batman The Long Halloween. If you were dropped in the middle of it, I think we did this last time, but uh, if you had, if you were, say you were going to be, you had to bring in a Marvel character in this world to assist you, who would that be? A Marvel character, specifically a Marvel character. A, a Marvel yes. character. Ugh, okay. In in the long Halloween or no? Yeah, in the long Halloween world. Yeah. Right, in that what Marvel character we best to join add into the long Halloween? Oh my goodness gracious! Um, man, that's a hard question because there's a lot of great <laughs> individuals. Um, there's my go-to Cable because he's my home dude. And, um, you know, we could just time travel to the beginning of the story and take out Holiday and be done with it. So I'm going to go with that. True. That's true. That's true. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, then I've got one for you. Okay. It, what it, Out of all the comic books you've, you've ever read, which one that hasn't already been made into a movie would you like to see be Good made one. into a movie? Oh, that hasn't been made into a movie. Um. Oof, this is so difficult because there's so many great stories out there that I've read. Um, if we were there, all right, it's not would it be a movie? It would be a short. It would be part of a series. Uh, it would be from Batman and Robin um, mm -hmm. back in the early 2010s. Um, and it was during the Requiem uh, story arc where Robin died. And specifically, there's one issue in it. And what they do through Requiem is they took Batman through the stages of grief which mm -hmm. um, is really interesting. And in the first book of it, which would be the stage of denial, you see Batman uh, just cleaning up Gotham. Like at one point, uh, um, Gordon comes out on top of the actual, um, the top of, of um, the, the police department um, building. And it's just, it's full of criminals are tied up and everything. And um, he's like, oh my goodness. And there's like a note there for him or something like that. We're just with the bat symbol on it. And he is just running hard. Like Batman is just running hard. Just doing everything he can to, to clean up the city. And it ends with him getting to the Batcave. And he, um, you see him have this moment where he just hits this door and out falls the Robin costume. And... This is the this is the why it would be an animated short. There are no words to the entire comic. Mm. Like Ooh. the entire thing is, you just see Bruce in this beautifully illustrated comic, going through grief, trying to work out his grief by overworking, and the only words are on this little note that were from Damien, his son, apologizing basically for being a brat, and letting him know that he was going to do his best to be a better son and be a better bearer of the Robin name. And you see Bruce just break holding the uh, Robin costume. Mm -hmm. So that that's what I would want to see done right. Yeah, okay. I, I was about to ask which Robin, because yeah. I, was, I was thinking, well, that doesn't that sounds a little late for it to be uh, Red Hood, whose name I can't think of at the moment. Jason Todd. Jason, Jason Todd. Todd. Thank you. Yeah, it's Damien. That makes, that makes the most sense, because that also technically being his actual son. Yeah, exactly. his biological son, yes. So I've got actually an answer for this, although to some degree Marvel has already based a TV show after mine, but they added in a bunch of other stuff, and that is uh, the Vision 2015. That that's like ten 
uh, it's like 10 issues. Mm-hmm. And to some degree, WandaVision is based, it pulls from it a lot, but it's about the Vision living this normal life in this normal neighborhood with a synthesoid wife and two synthesoid kids. Oh, mm-hmm. that's cool. And it starts off kind of, you know, Stepford House wife-ish, kind of, you know, like you expect like in the old sitcoms where everything was perfect, nothing ever went wrong yeah. until it does. Like it doesn't want <laughs> and it's actually a very sad story by the time you get to the end of it oh man and it's one of the, it's one of the, i actually read the book before wandavision because i suspected there might be some connection right and it actually introduced me to like seven or eight characters <laughs> that kind of show up wow in different ways and but also it's based on the old comics so they bring in stuff like the fact that technically uh some of wanda's family from the old country is somehow related connected in with the uh evolutionaries creations like a talking cow wow they they go in they go into it deep it's like you're reading through this very hard serious story all of a sudden no look there's a giant anthropomorphic cow (laughs) okay and it takes you a second oh we're in the past this is when because it was around the time uh their their kids were growing up oh okay the first time before we found out they were actually spawns of mephisto Wow. They're actually Mephisto's hands. That's what they were. <laughs> Weird comic, but... It sounds, it sounds like it. But I mean, when I say the comic, it's, what it's pulling from has some weird spots in it, but it goes yeah. through like all of Wanda's and Vision's relationships from the, like, the past couple years, and even it showed off White Vision. Oh, wow. Hmm. And I didn't know that was coming, because that would have technically been during the Secret Wars event. Yeah. Because when that happened, same time we got black-suited Spider-Man that became Venom. Right. Anyway, right. I would love to see an adaptation of that because it's like that story. I it just it's one of the few comics that I actually could not put down. Wow! Most of the times I can put it down after I get to an issue and come back to it later and still enjoy it. This was one. It's like I had to keep going. Yeah, I couldn't stop because I had to find out how this was going to end, and it does not end pretty. <laughs> it does not end pretty. Oh man, that's never good. But. It's also it's in, in, intriguing storytelling. Oh yeah, it's very it's a very good story. It's just a tragedy. Ah, uh, I hate wow. to, to spoil that much, but it is a tragedy. <laughs> so, do you have one, Jacob, or shall we move uh, on to the next question? Uh, there again, I'm more I'm I'm an art guy, so it's not really I read the stories, but it's like ooh, pretty art. <laughs> that, that's the kind of, I, I know it's weird. I know it's very, very odd for it's some not people. Everyone enjoys stuff in a different way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just the way I enjoy comics. Be like, I, I will find like Jim Lee or Jessica Campbell or Joe Matarera, you know, the, the guys I loved as a kid. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh, g- give me Hush, the, the comic. Yeah. I know they've already adapted that into a, a, a movie. But actually, but just like the actual art from the, it? The, the, the art, the art, the art form of Jim Lee did. Now, granted, it took me like three years to do it, but it was like, oh my gosh, that's but amazing it's work. Jim Stinking Lee. Yeah, exactly. At his, at his prime, I'd be like, there again, his prime was X Men number one, which is the number one selling comic of all time. And right. then you get the idea that when they did Hush, the comic, it was like they, the, the stickler was like, just be like, be completely, utterly visual with everything. They told Jim right. Lee, and he did it. And it's like, oh, no wonder it took them three years to make this thing. Because <laughs> they had delays, delays, delays doing this thing. But oh, wow. I'm getting on a tangent about art. But um, 
But at the same time, they would never reproduce that art in a way that you would appreciate it in an adaptation. No, no, because I, I saw that's going to be part of your problem. Yeah, because I saw a preview to it, but it it looks like Jim Lee's art, but it's not Jim Lee's art. Hmm. Or like someone trying to adapt Battle Chasers, which is uh, Joe Matarera's like amazing story, and it's like it's like, but it doesn't look like Joe's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just the the I I. I I appreciate art. I can appreciate someone's adaptation of art, but at the same time, it's like, it's not the original artist. Cause like, for example, the new battle chasers episodes are, we're going into comics here, but either way, <laughs> uh, so well, I got you off on a tangent. You weren't you expecting. No, you didn't, but thank you. Uh, so battle chasers was a series that Joe Manera did years back when he, uh, decided him and, uh, a couple other guys decided to do something with uh, Wildstorm and did their own little imprint. And uh, he got to issue nine and just stopped. Oh, wow. Just stopped because he decided to be like, oh, I want to do uh, uh, com- uh, video game design. And he did that for years and years and years. So then when they came out with Battle Chasers uh, Night War, which is the video game they came out with, they did a Kickstarter, and it's like, okay, if you do this tier, which is like, like one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars, that Jim is going or Joe is going to do the art for issues ten, eleven, twelve, and so you add, like this thing kickstarted with millions and millions of dollars to get funded like that. Wow! But it turns out Joe Manarero couldn't do the art because he was so busy with um, uh, Steamship, his uh game developer right and that that what that made so many people mad it was be like it was on it was people were like i want my money back because if joe's not doing the art i don't want it i mean we but the guy they're doing is uh lugo lugo he's a he's a he's a joe matarera he's kind of a clone but he's got his own style so it looks like joe's but it's got his own style to it and it's like okay issue 10 be like lula's doing doing the art let's go because I'm more like, okay, be like, you get a simulation of what Joe Manero would do, but at the same time, it's someone else is doing it. And I'm like, okay, cool. I, I'm not one of those be like, be like snobs, be like, if it's not the original artist, I don't care, <laughs> kind of thing. But it's more, I'd be like, I understand why he, why Joe Manero is not doing it, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, be like, come on, man, just do a cover. That's all I ask you to do. Just do a cover. He'll probably wind up doing a cover, but. <laughs> Uh, I'm just, I'm really excited, but I'm there again. Yeah. You think (laughs) I'm geeking out about every little bit frame they come out with. It's like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. (laughs) No shame, bro. There again. I'm, I'm, I'm the artist. I'm the artist that loves just art. So I I see like any bit of art that's coming out of this and be like, okay, I want to buy this now. (laughs) Where is it? Come on, come on. (laughs) But yes, I digress. Um, uh, Yes, that's that's my 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 uh, art soapbox is over. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the question asked. No, it's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, you would have been thrown over the bridge, Jacob. In Monty probably. Python. <laughs> What's yes, your favorite yes, color? Let me tell you about sorry, art. That took me a minute. <laughs> I'm still like, huh? What? For Monty Python? Oh, the bridge of death. Oh yeah, that's what I would have thrown. About halfway through that, you would have been thrown over. Yes. You would have given up ever finding anything. Yeah. Uh, anyway. It's ADD. It's called Squirrel. 
<laughs> Where am I going? <laughs> anyway, continue. Uh, I don't know if I have another interrogation question. Do you? Me either. All right, well then, let's just move into what we've been watching. Yes. Dallas, since you're our guest, why don't you go first? What have you been watching? Uh, watching, honestly, since the last week when I joined you guys last, um, the only thing I've watched is The Long Halloween Part 2. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's been such a... I've been slammed. However, I did play some new video games this past weekend. Um, I had a, play? I played um, Uncharted. Um, I started doing the... Um, it was Uncharted 1. I, was, I got the, uh, yeah. the Drake collection. Right. Nice. And so started playing that this weekend. And it's pretty fun. I enjoyed it. And um, I also played Hollow Knight, which was really fun this weekend. Um, I did that for uh, my friends over at Victims and Villains for their 48-hour live stream they did. Awesome. Hmm. So, and Hollow Knight's fun. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to play it, but it's a fun little game. And what's cool. really cool about it is there's a version you can get. I haven't looked into it yet, but like if you stream it on Twitch, like I do, uh, your audience can actually affect the game. Like they can change the gravity and cause certain power ups to take place while you're in the middle of doing stuff. And hmm. so it becomes kind of a, a community event. Nice. Yeah. That would sound interesting. It is. You might get frustrated with your own audience. It's like, Guys, stop! <laughs> that well, is part of it. I already know what it's like. And everything fell over. <laughs> that was my bad. <laughs> uh, I got it. Come here, Patsy. Where'd he go? Ah, it's alright. <laughs> Down there somewhere. I'll Don't worry about that later. I'll find him later. <laughs> there you go. Alright. Uh, Jacob, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? So... Uh, we were able to go visit a friend of ours. He had, uh, just, he had just had surgery. Yes. And, uh, thankfully everything went fine. Uh, so instead of doing our normal Bible study, it was like, so what can we watch? Cause we had one of our friends who is not big into anime, which is perfectly understandable. Mm-hmm. And we we're like, what can we watch? What can we watch? And so Chase brought up this movie, which is like, he said, this was his favorite film of all time. And it's called. Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins from 1985. Hmm. It is a interesting movie. It, it is. It's, it's a good 80s action flick. Yes, agreed. But there's just enough. I, I haven't watched a ton of 80s action flicks, mm. admittedly, but this one did seem a bit goofy. <laughs> just, just a little bit. It, it, it gave you just enough plot to you know actually care about things. Yes. Because most of the time in 80s films, they don't give you... It's like, oh, okay, here's your action beat. I, I think here's, that's, here's, here's this and go. I think that's because it actually was based on a book. Yeah, it's actually based <laughs> on a book. And I was I was very shocked by that. I was like, wait, they're actually giving you a plot? Wow. In an 80s action movie? Wait. Huh? Those happen but sometimes. But some of more like, it makes no sense. Except oh, for, you mean like the incredibly smart dogs who knew how to lower Oh my gosh, the Dobermans. <laughs> The Dobermans in this movie were great because we're our, sitting there watching this, <laughs> and Remo is is running along this catwalk essentially, and these dog and one dog jumps up and grabs the edge of this ladder with his with with his teeth, and the other and the other one jumps up and grabs the other one, <laughs> and it's it just, like, just enough that they lower it down, and I'm sitting there going. I don't think any dog I've ever talked looked at was that patient to wait for his friend to grab the other one to pull to their wake and pull it down. Uh. Not to mention the fact that 
at that point, you could tell those dog heads were they're puppets. Hand puppets. They're hand puppets. <laughs> but the the one that just broke me, it was the one where uh, Remo is like he walks across this little uh, tightrope just to get across, and you're like, "There's no way." Because I'm thinking like everyone in the room's thinking sure. like, "There's no way that this dog can do that." It's like dogs can do that. So <laughs> this, you know, this little dog is like walking across this no. tightrope. If you remember, I said. You said uh, someone said that dog's not gonna walk across that tightrope. Mm-hmm. They doesn't need to walk across the tightrope. As super powered as these dogs are, <laughs> they can leap that distance. That is true, but it was it was so funny. And then you had the uh, the uh, the master who was just like yeah, the, oh, the Korean master, the I'm Korean sorry. master, the Korean, Korean master. master, Korean yes. master. Oh my gosh, the master the... of the kung fu that all the other kung fu's are descended from. from. Yes. <laughs> uh... According yeah, to the Ch- story. Yeah, Chun, uh, played by uh, uh, Joel Gray. I don't know his name. <laughs> yeah, that's the actor's name is Joel Gray. But he does such an excellent job. Be like, he's just, he a like, serious guy, doesn't crack jokes at all. Be like, just does all these great one-liners. And the fact that the woman who plays Captain <laughs> Janeway. Yeah, I'm sorry. Kate, Kate Mulgrew <laughs> plays the... <laughs> the love interest, and she and she is in full Janeway mode the entire movie, <laughs> to the point where half the time she was getting ready to go do something, and I just went into my Janeway impressions. I better go. I might need to go find some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's one moment in particular where uh, our our main hero he's wonder he's wonder doc he's he's gonna go save the day, and uh, uh, Janeway or uh, <laughs> Kate Mulgrew's character. Is sitting there. She's talking her head off about something, and uh, uh, Chung just literally grabs her by the neck. She goes, ah. "Lesson number thirty-four. <laughs> we never saw past lesson five, technically. No, we didn't. <laughs> but then uh, Drew said something very so like, like, like a certain character wish he would have known that. Uh, group. I, I, no, I said, I bet Chakotay wished he knew that move. <laughs> Oh my god! Sorry, gosh. when I when I, when I'm watching a movie that is that ridiculous, it doesn't matter how good it is. I have two little robots talking in the back of my head. Fair. I grew up watching uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. There's yes. no shame with that. No, there's not. Uh, so I we watched that and just like, okay, that was interesting. That was funny. <laughs> I, I actually posted on my uh, my letterbox, so that was funny. Uh, and then I started watching season two of MacGyver. And it's just like, I love MacGyver. I always have loved MacGyver. Right. And so I started watching season two. And season two is really good because you have season one where it looks like the writers and the director really didn't know where they were going with this <laughs> because MacGyver changes so often throughout season one. And so by the end of season, by the end of season one, we've kind of established, okay, he's part of the Phoenix Corporation and he works for Mac, not Mac. But he, but like he works for the, he works for his like a freelance uh, spy or some freelance, uh, freelance agent. Right. And uh, by season two, this is all flushed out, which is like oh, okay, because most of them be like stories have, for the most part, figured out what their story is. MacGyver took all of season one to figure this all out. <laughs> but I still love MacGyver no matter what. Yeah. And I'm hoping to watch all of I think seven seasons, and like three three TV movies or something like that. But it's oh, just wow. like. Like I I love MacGyver the fact that I I care around a Swiss Army knife just because of that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm currently going through season two of MacGyver. So what have you been watching, Drew? Well, I tried out a new anime the other day. Oh. 
the Funimation only has one ep- episode dubbed so far, mm. but it is called I Was Banished from the Heroes Party, So I Decided to Live a Quiet Life in the Country. That's a name. Or something to that effect. What is with these titles? <laughs> That's the thing. I see a title like that. First thought that pops in my mind, okay, it's an isekai. I bet you the guy's got run over in his real life by the, by the isekai truck of good fortune. And now he's reborn in this, but it's been a couple years. And so, and like, nope, that's not actually, he's not reborn. It's not like reincarnated as a slime. Mm -hmm. It is literally, he was, he's in a world where video game logic does reign, Mm -hmm. but no, he, he's only overpowered in where he is because he's in a beginner town Mm. and he was like three quarters of the way through the party before they kicked him out. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is they'll learn pretty quickly. That was a mistake. Right. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. But it was it's an interesting story so far. I've only seen the one episode. I I don't know quite where it's going yet. Um, but where where it started, I thought it's, it feels like it's an interesting take on isekai by cutting out most of the stuff of isekais that are dull and overplayed at this point. Mm-hmm. And actually doing what we all came here to do is to see how is this guy gonna who's slightly overpowered gonna get through the day. <laughs> so I appreciated that, and then uh, I watched episode six of Way of the House Husband. After yes. I found out there was five more episodes, come on. I enjoyed what I saw, but I, episode six was not the best episode. <laughs> I don't know if maybe I wasn't in the mood, or so the first part of it where he's uh, gets dragged up on stage on a. Uh, Essentially, a pretty cure play that was funny. <laughs> but the rest of the episode peace. is like, uh, this feels like you're retreading. <laughs> when he started doing the tea ceremony, I died. Yes, I was, that was hilarious, done, man. <laughs> because here's the thing: it's not that he, him doing that is hilarious. It's the fact that I've I've been on stage. I know what it's like when you've got to, you've got a set thing you're supposed to do. And I can just imagine how lost all three of those actors were mm. during that entire sequence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I watched a little bit more Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. Um, game-wise, I have firmly gotten back into Final Fantasy XIV. Kind of need to fit, get caught up before the end of November, considering the new uh, expansions coming out. Which I just forced Jacob to watch the trailer for, even though he has no context for anything in nope. the trailer. It was gloriously good. But yeah, it's, it's a great trailer. You should go give that a shot. The The expansion's called Endwalker. Just look for the U.S. trailer. It's a good little trailer. Uh, but I've been playing a little bit of that. I've played a little bit more of my 100% try of uh, uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And... Uh, I played maybe the first 30 minutes last night of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy right. before I forced myself to go to bed. <laughs> because I heard it was it's good. Eight. Like I heard that's, that's really, a, really that, good. This game's good so far. So I, I'll suggest that once it goes on sale for you at uh, uh, Dallas. Sweet. If you're looking for a new game, looking for another new game. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's essentially what I've been watching and playing. Do we have news? No, we don't actually. Really? Yeah, no news to speak of. Well, I suppose no news is good news. Right. At least nothing's getting delayed again. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Hey, for a while, that was all the news we had. Agreed. Um, so I guess we should go ahead and jump into our spoiler-free 
review of uh, Batman The Long Halloween Part 2. I am going to go ahead and say that since this is Part 2, at this point, uh, Part 1 spoilers are allowed. Right. So if you have not... So I'm going to go ahead and drop a a semi-spoiler warning for Part 1. So if you've not seen Part 1... We thank you for joining us on this part of the show. Right. Pause us. Come back to us once you've seen part one. Listen to the other episode before you listen to this one. Mm-hmm. And then come back once you've seen part two for the rest of the show. Yes. Anyway, Dallas, spoiler-free thoughts on part two. So part two really seems to have amped up the um, the action of, of the story yes. itself. Um, and I, I, it seemed to be more, be more engaging that way for me. Like there seemed to be more action. It pops her out the gate with it. Like, um, with, with the fighting and the action and it was, um, pretty, pretty steady all the way through. I thought, um, it, it, I mean, obviously it carries over the same art style, but, um, what I appreciated though, was if you were to take out the outro and the intro of the movies, they could just you just cut them together and it would be like it was one seamless film. Well, and I appreciate that. There's a good that. reason for that. Because mm-hmm. apparently next year they are releasing a cut of both of these films where it's all edited as one movie. Yeah. So and I think so they, they did that with The Dark Knight too. <clears throat> and um, so, but it, it I, sometimes you watch the story and like it seems like there's like a, some sort of change that takes over with the art or the direction of things. This mm-hmm. felt like a cohesive story. Like, even though the the action was ramped up, it was like we are definitely in the same world. The story is continuing. Buckle up! It's gonna something's gonna go wild. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Jacob, your spoiler free thoughts. Uh, I would. Uh, my something that's very similar to Dallas. The idea that the action is very much more ramped up in this move. This movie, the suspension of who the holiday killer is, is even more there. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, um, well, it beca- starts becoming more pressing. Yeah, it yeah. becomes very. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, it's it gives you. It's like okay, we've we we think we figured it out. Then it's like no, and it's 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 like it's it's very similar to part one where Batman ourselves figured out. Oh, it's this character. He did it. And then the holiday killer kills this character. Right. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay, we're back to square one. <laughs> and and then and after the, credits scene just kind of throws everything for a loop. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? They brought in her? Her? Really? Like, I, I did say part one spoilers are yes. a for this. Yes. It's Poison Ivy. Ivy. <laughs> yes. She shows up and it's like, okay, what are they going to do with her? I got a spell on you. <laughs> this is not Hocus Pocus. Such a good movie. It is a good movie. <laughs> I can remember watching that some month, this month. But you got uh, a week. Yeah. <laughs> you got one week, man. Pulled this off. That's true. It's not hard. All right. So yeah, that's that's my definite spoiler-free uh, explanation of thoughts on it. Thoughts on it. Yeah. There we go. I'm so scatterbrained today. How about <laughs> really? you? You think? <laughs> anyway. Uh, my spoiler-free thoughts on it. Um, it is, like we've been saying, it is a continuation of the part one story. Uh, that little bit of a throne for a loop is nice, because at least it gives you some suspense. I've got some other thoughts on that later. Mm-hmm. But um, 
and bear in mind, I, I know this can be edited easily into one whole movie. I'm still kind of looking at it as two separate films. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I just this was just a nice conclusion to the story. I thought uh, the uh, origin story of one particular character who can be seen on the cover of the movie. Yep, that uh, is was true. done very well. I, I appreciated that, and I liked mm-hmm. how we see how he really we get into one of his items. I never really thought. Uh, thought too much about, but we actually see why that's important, not just in mm-hmm. uh, his life, but also in Bruce's. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. So, yeah, that's my spoiler-free thoughts on uh, on a Long Halloween Part 2. Bear in mind, this is, this, while the first one was PG-13, this one's rated R. I was going to bring that up. Like, yeah. this, like, and it's rated R because of the violence and the, um, yes. it's on the blood. It's a lot more violent. And so, like, um, depending on who you are and your, your particular standards on things, um, you know, just be aware of that. Um, this is not, I think last time we talked, we said like, ah, oh, you know, maybe an old, your teenagers could watch this yeah. uh, when we were talking about that. I, I would really make sure they're a little bit more mature and they can handle violence um, mm-hmm. and some of the uh, more gory scenes of, of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when the, the box art cover guy first shows up because it's kind of gruesome. Yeah. Yes. Um, but um, overall, um, I don't think it's a terrible film. Like, because sometimes when they're like, "Oh, it's radar," and it just gets gets dumb, you know what I'm saying? You're like, "What?" There's no reason for what they've added into it. Everything makes sense that takes place in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think part of that's because this is actually a cohesive story. It, was all, it is really, really does feel like it's designed to be one story not two separate projects yes. that happen to be split mm-hmm. and you can't say that about many two-part things mm-hmm. i mean one of my favorite two-parters of any media whatsoever the uh star trek next generation episode the best of both worlds the first one is 10 times better than the second one because the second one they kind of wrote because of how good the first one was <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell because they couldn't figure out how to write themselves out of a couple corners and they kind of went a little cheap but uh, I, I appreciate, like y'all, I appreciate that it's one cohesive story. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess we need to go ahead and drop the spoiler warning here. Uh, join us on the other side, All right? And the bumpers. I got to run the bumpers too. Of course. Think you'd think this is my first podcast? It's not. <laughs> I just get sidetracked. Uh, join us on the other side of the bumpers, and we'll get to spoiling this thing. Don't forget that you can download. Download? Don't forget that you can't. Don't forget that you can listen to us record the podcast live every Tuesday over on our Facebook page, The Cellcast, our uh, Twitch channel, The Cellcast Gaming, and on YouTube at Cellcast. Also, don't forget to join our Patreon if you would like to support us monetarily. At $1, you'll get our everlasting thanks. At at our $5 tier, you can get some artwork from Jacob. And at our $10 tier, you can get bloopers for every every episode we've released that I've remembered to release them for. And you can get commentaries from different movies. So come check us out over there if you would like to support us financially. This podcast is part of the Culture Box Media Network. 
For more great content like this, go to the website in the description. There you will find other great shows such as Geek Devotions, which is a collaboration of devoted geeks that are devoted to letting people know that they are loved. They produce a weekly geek culture infused devotional, their podcast com talk, and written articles, all designed to encourage and challenge people in the geek community, bridging the gap between their faith and their geekdoms. You can find their content specifically at geekdevotions.com. Do you like trivia shows but wish you could stay a little longer with the contestants? Do you wish that if those contestants didn't know the answer from memory, they could Google the answers? Do you love finding out how many of certain objects fit between the Earth and the Moon? And do you want a game show that is completely unfair? Then might I suggest The Raw Quiz Show, where Ryan Ashley Wall pits and competes against five different combatants each season to see who is the true trivia champion. And you can find it over at Pop Americana, which the podcast you're listening to is also a part of. Go to the link in the description to find out more. The following is a spoiler-filled review for Batman the Long Halloween Part 2 she is the vengeance He's a knife So better watch out Listener discretion advised Batman The Long Halloween Part 2 Was once again directed by Chris Palmer Who directed Voltron Legendary Defender And it was written once again, by Tim Sheridan, who uh, also wrote Scooby-Doo and the Curse of the 13th Ghost. And it was, once again, based on the graphic novel by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Getting into the cast, once ag- I'm going to quit saying once again, just so you know, some of these are the same people. from. Oh, once one. again? Yeah, once again. Uh, th- that might be the name of this episode now. Uh, <laughs> Jensen Ackles is uh, Batman and Bruce Wayne. And, of course, he played Dean Winchester in Supernatural. Josh Dumahell played Harvey Dent and Two-Face. And in the Taco Bell Web of Fries commercial... Oh, my gosh. He played the hero and Clara's father, which is technically the same character from two different commercials. Uh, Naya Rivera uh, once again played Catwoman and Selena Kyle... In her final acting role mm-hmm. in this movie. And, of course, she was Santana Lopez in Glee. Troy Baker returned as the Joker for three lines. Yes. And all of them in the background. But he was voiced... Uh, he also voiced Kanji Tatsumi in Persona 4. First new actor in, in this, Layla Berzins, was the voice of Sophia Falcone. Mm-hmm. And in the video game River City Girls, she played the first boss, Misuzu. Really? Yeah, kind of a gorilla of a girl. So she plays big women. 
Apparently. Ah. Apparently. Uh, Billy Burke or, or, uh, is once again Commissioner Gordon. And of course, he was Charlie Swan in Twilight. Zach Collison played young Bruce Wayne. And he is the voice of Steven Universe in the television show Steven Universe. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Elisa Diaz played Renee Montoya. And in the 2012 remake of Red Dawn, she played Julie. Hmm. Hmm. John DiMaggio played uh, the Mad Hatter. And in Adventure Time, he is Jake the Dog. But I know him as Bender Bending Rodriguez in Futurama. <laughs> oh, Futurama. Uh, David Dalmatian, which once again, I apologize that I'm probably saying your last name wrong, but he played Calendar Man. And of course, he was Polka Dot Man in The Suicide Squad. Robin Atkin Downs was the voice of the Scarecrow and Thomas Wayne. Not the same character. Two different characters there. Mm -hmm. And in Star Wars, I think in Clone Wars Rebels and uh, one of the newer shows, I can't remember which one, uh, he is the voice of, and I just lost it on here, uh, Cham Syndulla in Star Wars. Oh, okay. I have no idea who that is. Uh, do you know the, uh, the Twi'lek pilot in Rebels? Yeah. Her father. Oh, okay. Uh, Alistair Duncan is playing Alfred Pennyworth. And, of course, he was Sullivan Brimbor in the Middle-Earth uh, Lord of the Rings games. Uh, Gary Leroy Gray is playing Pierce again. And he was AJ in The Fairly Odd Parents. Amy Landaker is once again Barbara Gordon. And she was Barbara in Troll Hunters. Julie Nathanson was Gilda Dent. Are we safe here to actually do a spoiler? You think? Yeah. And the Holiday hey, Killer. Was... Dun, dun, dun. Like, and yeah. she was Holly Tuell in Final Fantasy XV. Jim Peary, who is the voice of Sal Maroney, was the voice of King Regis Lucius Callum in Final Fantasy XV. Katie Sackoff was the voice of Poison Ivy. And along with uh, uh, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, mm -hmm. and Star Wars Rebels, in Star Wars: The Mandalorian, she is the she plays Bo-Katan. Okay, you haven't gotten to her because you're still haven't watched season two. Exactly. What? Yeah, loser. I know. I'm behind. He doesn't have Disney Plus because he doesn't have internet. I you ha have Disney Plus. I have Disney you, Plus. You don't have internet. Yeah. So you can't watch it on the on your nice big TV. Yeah. Let's, let's just pause the podcast. We'll just take a break. Everyone go watch it right now. You're already at Drew's crib. He's got it clearly. Yeah. You, I've got 4K. We can watch it in, in glorious HD. <laughs> I can or, wait. I can wait to finish HDR. this podcast. Yeah, HDR. Just a couple of hours. Yeah, we'll come back to it. <laughs> yeah, it's only going to take us five hours. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it in the morning time, guys. <laughs> right, 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 right. But Fred Cotacior, who was the voice of Solomon Grundy, uh, was in this one. Bored on a Monday. <laughs> and the whole kit and caboodle. Yes. And uh, in Star Trek Lower Decks, he is the voice of Lieutenant Shax, my favorite angry Bajoran. <laughs> if you have not watched, I'm guessing, Dallas, you've not watched Lower Decks yet. I have not. You need to. It's yes, funny. It's fun. It's okay. funny. It, 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 it's, it takes itself just seriously that it can be in canon, 
but takes itself just not not seriously enough that it's really fun. <laughs> I'll have to check it I out. I can't explain any better than that. I, I work under the the uh, thought process that what we're watching is actually like a hollow novel based on these characters' actual lives. So there's a real story <laughs> back there, but it's based on their like maybe based on like their their log entries. Right. And so. It, goes off on these weird tangents because that's what the log entry talked about because they're lower deck people right and then last but not least uh, titus welliver was the voice of carmine falcone and in harry bosch he played or he, he played harry bosch in bosch i've still not watched that show me either I have no idea so um kingdom hearts connections john dimaggio who was the mad hatter in this played Jacoby, one of the zombie pirates in the Pirates of the Caribbean world in Kingdom Hearts. Okay. Robin Atkin Downs, who was the voice of Scarecrow, is both the voice of Davy Jones from Kingdom Hearts 3 mm-hmm. and Luxord, a recurring character throughout the series. Hmm. Layla Burnsons was the voice of Sophia Falcone, and she has additional voices in Kingdom Hearts. And then once again, Fred Tadaskior, who is Solomon Grundy, played Kevin Flynn and Clue in the grid level of Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. Okay. And so uh, what do we got in info and stuff? All right. So most of the info stuff is basically what, what I referred to on last episode. So if you want more of that information, please go to uh, the last episode and listen to that information. But for updates... Uh, Again, it is available on HBO Max, if you're subscription to that. Uh, it is an IBD score of 7.2 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. That is a score of 100. And it was released on July, 20, July 27th, 2021. And, yeah, there is no sequel to this. <laughs> Yet. Yet. Far as I understand. This was nope. the last uh, Batman... Uh, DC animated movie released at the moment, didn't it? Yeah. There's not yes. an, been another one because this thing just came out, what, a couple months ago? Yeah, a couple of months ago. Or a couple days ago? Yeah, it mm-hmm. came out in July. Yeah, it came out in July. Oh, July. I want yeah, the new I know there's the, the Yeah, I know there's a comic that is a direct sequel to The Long Halloween. I just don't remember what that is. Uh, it's the Dark Victory. Dark Victory. Okay, thank you. And then there's one that takes place in the midst of The Long Halloween, but... They ignored a essential plot point in this movie that that comic book is no longer. It it wouldn't make sense for them to do that comic. Ah, huh. Gotcha. All right, good deal. So that's all I have for an info and stuff. Okay. Short and sweet to the point. Oh, nice when that happens. Mm-hmm. Unlike probably all four of next month's. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's gonna be fun. Uh, getting into the summary. In the three months since Alberto's death, the holiday killer has targeted the Falcone and Maroni v- families on Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, and April Fool's Day. Meanwhile, Bruce has signed much of his assets over to Falcone under Poison Ivy's influence. Catwoman defeats Ivy and rescues Bruce. Yeah, it was a bit of a cat fight, wasn't it? <laughs> Ow. On Mother's Day, Scarecrow escapes from Arkham Asylum. When Batman intervenes, Scarecrow injects him with his fear-inducing toxin, forcing him to relive the night of his parents' murder. Catwoman finds Batman in an alleyway and brings him home. Falcone's daughter, Sophia, asks for a seat at the family table, but Falcone refuses. Gordon and Dent question Bruce about Holiday, citing his family's past connections with Falcone. 
Bruce recalls how, as a boy, he met Falcone when his father saved his life following an assassination attempt by the Moronis. On Father's Day, Moroni's father Luigi is murdered by Holiday. Catwoman witnesses Falcone paying a mob hitman in the cemetery. Moroni meets with Dent and agrees to testify against Falcone in exchange for immunity. On the 4th of July, Batman is captured by Scarecrow and Mad Hatter as they rob a bank for Falcone. He escapes and defeats them as they drop off the cash in the cemetery. On the boardwalk, Falcone's hitman attack, attacks Dent and Gilda during the fireworks display. Catwoman intervenes, but the hitman knocks out both her and Dent. Dent awakens to find the hitman dead and one of Holiday's guns nearby, and he flees as the police arrive. Falcone's sister, Carla Vitti, publicly accuses Dent of being Holiday. While Dent has Moroni in court, Batman meets Gordon and reveals that he found, found Holiday's guns in Dent's basement. In the middle of court, Moroni accuses Dent of being Holiday and throws acid in his face. Dent is hospitalized but escapes and is picked up by Falcone's men. Dent kills his guards and flees into the sewers where he is nurtured by Solomon Grundy. On Falcone's birthday, Carla is killed by Holiday. On Labor Day, Dent and Grundy attack Moroni's prison convoy. Batman disguises Moroni's guard, subdues Grundy, but Moroni is shot by Holiday from another building. Dent, Grundy, and Holiday escape. At Wayne Manor, Alfred prepares for another Halloween while Bruce questions his motives for fighting crime. Alfred reassures him that regardless of his parents' connections to the mob, they would have been proud of him. Uh, Batman asks Catwoman about her obsession with the Falcone family. She confesses that Falcone is her father, and she only wants to know her mother's name. Denton Grundy attack Arkham and free several inmates. Poison Ivy, Scarecrow, and Mad Hatter engage the GCPD, while Dent, Grundy, Joker, and Penguin attack Falcone's building. They overwhelm Falcone's guards, and Sophia and Dent prepare to flip a coin to decide whether Falcone will live or die. Batman and Catwoman arrive and defeat the rogues, but are unable to prevent Dent from shooting Falcone. Distraught, Sophia falls out the broken window to her death. Catwoman reveals her face to Falcone, who says Luisa before dying in Batman's arms. Dent, now under the alias Two-Face, turns himself over to Gordon and claims responsibility for all the holiday killings. In the dense basement, Gilda burns her holiday items while Batman looks on. She confesses that Falcone had annulled her marriage to Alberto and had their illegitimate child aborted. As holiday, she engaged, she exacted revenge against the entire family. Though unrepentant, she assures Batman that holiday is finished. On Halloween, Wayne Manor receives the first trick or treater. In a post credit scene, Flash and Green Arrow also arrive at the front door. For almost no apparent reason as far as the movie's concerned. Mm -hmm. Saying that as someone who's not read any of the comics surrounding this one. It's probably more a time be like, hey, there's another adventure coming. <laughs> Justice League something. I don't yeah. know. Uh, this is, like I said earlier, getting into the trivia. Uh, Naya, Naya Riviera's final mm -hmm. film role mm -hmm. as she unfortunately died from drowning, I believe. Yeah. This will be the fifth animated Batman movie to receive an R rating after Batman the Killing Joke, Batman Gotham by Gaslight, Batman Death in the Family, and Batman Soul of the Dragon. So nobody else does anything worthy of being rated R but Batman? Apparently, I mean, if you look at Dark all the night, you look at all the like all Batman stories, like they lend themselves to being darker 
more adult themed. Um, Superman stories, I mean, there's so much air to them. It would make so it wouldn't make sense for them to be to turn out to be an R-rated film. That's mm. fair. Yeah, I think the uh, what was it? Justice League. Someone should tell uh, uh, Zack Snyder that. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Justice League Apocalypse War was rated R. Uh, this only listed those five movies. Yeah, and they're all Batman movies. Yeah, because I know those those two. I bet Injustice might be rated R when it comes out. Yeah, probably. Uh, one would think. I mean, the game is rated M. That it's technically, well, it's it's going to be based on the comic, which is based on the game. Right. This is as bad as three hundred. <laughs> so yeah, Apocalypse War is rated R. Okay. So my trivia is not exactly accurate. Who's surprised by this? <laughs> uh, unlike other Batman movies, Alfred refers to Mr. Wayne as Sir and not Master Bruce. This will be Katie Sackhoff's fifth project based on a comic book, her third DC project, and her second animated Batman movie after portraying a 2099 version of Black Cat in Spider-Man Edge of Time, Detective Sarah Essen in Batman Year One, she-Hulk in the Superhero Squad show, and Amunet Black, Blacksmith in The Flash. Mm. The Riddler is in the comic this film is based on and was confronted by Holiday on April Fool's Day and was left alive. Hence the pun, April Fool's. His appearance was left out of the film. In the comic story that this is based on, Alberto Falcone was revealed to be Holiday. Dun, dun, dun. He confesses to his father that his new reputation as Holiday makes him much bigger than him and all the gangsters in the mob put together. Alberto then tells his father that the days of the mob controlling Gotham are over and that freaks like himself will be the ones to control the city's fate from now on. Also, Gilda Dent claims that she was Holiday because she wanted to try to end Falcone's hold on Gotham and reduce her husband's workload so that they would have time together. She has the wild suspicion that Alberto was lying, instead choosing to believe that Dent himself had taken up the killings on New Year's Eve, and that the two were, f were finally working together, sharing secrets together. Nevertheless, she is content with Alberto as their scapegoat, knowing the authorities are incapable of finding the other holiday killer without Dent on their side. Knowing that Dent is not... Knowing that... Nah... Knowing that Dent is not really insane and can be cured. Gilda states that she still believes in Harvey Dent. In the film, Gilda confesses to Batman that she was Holiday, because she wanted revenge against Carmine Falcone for breaking up her first marriage to her son, Alberto, and forcing her to have an abortion, which ruined her life. She married Dent knowing that she could set her revenge plot against Falcone. Batman doesn't take her in, leaving her fate ambiguous for now. So on that sad note, and this is probably the first time I've said anything about abortion on this show, right. and I've had to say it twice. <laughs> Dallas, what is your first like for this? My first like for it um, is actually the nightmare scene um, with oh, uh, when mm -hmm. he first runs into uh, Scarecrow. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was really well illustrated. Like as soon as the gas hit him, you had it. It was almost it was the same style, but the way they did it, there was like a shift in it where it was really dramatic and very interesting. And um 
it, it felt differently. There was like a grain to the whole thing. And then going over to where um, the end of the nightmare scene where he's in Crime Alley and he's reliving the death of his parents. Um, I thought that was a great way of cresting off of the, that terror into just the somberness of what he truly fears, which is um, not being able to stop this type of thing from happening again. Jacob, your first like? My first like would actually be... So, mine I'd be like, at first it was going to be like, oh, the continuing story, but that's more of a given. It's really, really well done. The performance of uh, uh, Jason Ackles, mm-hmm. uh, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name right, <laughs> uh, his performance as Batman definitely is... Uh, Dallas just the, uh, described the uh, the nightmare scene. It's the fact be like, he, he comes up to Alfred and be like, where's mom? Where's yeah. mom? I'm like, oh my gosh! I was like broken. that. That that was moving. That was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh! And Eccleston just did an amazing job with that. Like uh, the sense of vulnerability and brokenness, and like a young boy looking for his mother, and it's just more like it just it, it crushed. And I was like, oh my gosh! The, the fact we like he's 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 gone back to the night his parents died he's relived that and you know, like he's wanting his mother and it, it, like this was on mother's day if I remember correctly mm-hmm. in in the chron- yeah. chronologically it was during mother's day and i'm like ah that was just beautiful Ackerson just killed it and like he he does an amazing job the the voice talent in this movie is incredible but Ackerson does an amazing job of his emotional range in here where it's You'd be like you get every you get you get the you know like extremely angry, very emotional. You get you know the dark night where it's just like everything smooth and be like you know, the the emo- the emotions level, but then you get those highs and lows of the emotion. It's just like oh my gosh, it's like yeah, bravo, Ackleson, very mm-hmm. good job, right. incredible job. My first like is actually that it's more of the same from part one. The fact that you can literally put and they're designed mm-hmm. to flow from one movie to the other. You yes. cut out the credits from movie one and the closing credits from movie one and the opening credits from movie two and just smack them right together. And you've got the continuation of the story. Yes. And it works beautifully that way. It you gets the, the same art style. Unfortunately, you get the same animation style, but I'll talk about that later. Yes. <laughs> um, and it's it, you get this the mystery is is moves cleanly throughout the whole thing you're still trying to figure out who the holiday killer is there's uh points from the first part that start that that finally start coming you, there are things in the first movie that kind of felt like weird why would you include this because mm-hmm. you wouldn't include it in a standalone film mm-hmm. but they pay off here and so and I, I appreciated that uh i appreciate how we finally get to go into some backstory between um, the Falcones and the Waynes because mm-hmm. we really didn't get good. to get a chance to go into that in the first part but we got to go through it here uh, it, it really feels like we're watching the second half of one movie yeah. and I appreciate that they go to that much trouble because nothing says they had to do that they literally could have done part one and come back years later and do part two and for not been able to get half the people back because that's how this stuff works. Mm-hmm. And I can see, I can very easily see Warner brothers doing this, <laughs> but thankfully they did it. They, they were smart and pulled the Lord of the Rings and did all of this at one time. Mm-hmm. Right. And I appreciate that. 
Agreed. Dallas, what's your second like? Um, my second like, um, like you, I struggle with the art style. But there are key moments where the art style looks really, really smooth and great with uh, certain scenes. Um, the Catwoman and Ivy fight. It worked really well, especially mm-hmm. right off the, at the front end. Uh, the ending fight where Batman and Catwoman are fighting the rogues gallery in the that dark cloud. I really enjoyed those scenes. Artistically, they looked great. Like They felt like like this is what Batman should be. And um, I've, I've mentioned this before. That's where I, most of the money was spent. Right? <laughs> but I, I said before, I struggle with this art style. Um, this new DC universe, I really dislike it. And I really disliked it in the Superman. But I think this art style lends itself more to darker scenes and darker characters. So uh, it works a little bit smoother here. And in those scenes specifically, it really shined. All right. I'll be getting into more of that later because I have some (laughs) opinions. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, what's your second like? My second like, it it merges with the... uh, the concluding, the not concluding, but the after credit scene. Yeah, after the credit scene, but the fact that we get more of a like obviously we in part one we get to know Harvey Dent. And we know something's going on, something's amiss with him. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know who Harvey Dent was in the first place, now you start to really understand. It's like okay, as as his wife says in the end and the very end of the film, it's like. Dent had not been broken by this world, and mm. you see that brokenness. Mm-hmm. You, you see, you see a man who is under the strain and pressures of the world, and the fact that it's in, it's implied that he was the 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 arm behind the uh, the Holiday Killer. Mm-hmm. But it's this 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 constant stress of the 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 inner demons and. The fact that the Two Face emerges through that, with the uh, the ass, the uh, acid thrown into his face, and I'm just like, the storytelling is amazing, of this his transformation into uh, Two Face, and I thought it was it was very well done, very well executed, and there are just there's so many little moments where it's like Harvey starts hearing Two Face, and it's like oh, okay, that's where they're playing with it. It's like he's 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 in the uh, the the court and hears Two Face and be like kill them mm-hmm. all and all that. I'm like, oh, okay, this is really cool. Now, granted, he's already going crazy. He's already <laughs> going crazy. But like, this is a man who just be like wanted to do justice, and a man who's had buried all of his problems and allowed that those problems to manifest into another personality. Or what we understand is another personality. It's not really another personality. It's more of a, like, it's another side of their personality coming out. But it's it's not another person. It's it's not another person, but it's a persona they have built to mm-hmm. protect themselves in some kind of capacity. So mm-hmm. the idea of a dual personality really exists, but it's more, if someone goes through a, a tremendous amount of trauma, be like, they will build a, um, a uh, like, almost like a psychic wall to protect themselves and that wall will become a, a character to them. Mm. And so they'll play out that character to protect themselves. So in this way, it's more his, his psychosis and that wall he's built up had become two face. And so I, I found that really fascinating how they approach that 
how they approached the the, the how Two Face emerged because we knew Two Face his his dark side was there because we'd see a glimpse of it every once in a while, definitely in the first one and definitely in the second, uh, more pronounced in the second one. And I just love the fact to be like he, we get the classic acid in the left side of his face. And that is the immersion of the mm-hmm. uh, the ser- the uh, the super villain Two Face, mm-hmm. and I just I enjur- thoroughly enjoyed that. I thought it was very fascinating. So yeah, mine is the emergent immersion of Two Face. My second like is I like how the mystery slowly unfolded. Yes, because here's the thing. Normally, when I watch movies or read books really enjoy any entertainment whatsoever. I am cursed with being about five steps ahead of the author of, of the characters mm-hmm. generally most of the time. So normally I would have had, like I said, I thought I knew who the murderer was at the end of the last movie. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who they were going to make the murderer <laughs> until like five seconds before they revealed. Who uh-huh. the boss. I was like, <laughs> That makes so much sense that it's Gil uh-huh. the Dent. Yeah. I didn't follow it at first, but it even goes back to you know, the fact that the guns... Yeah, they have the, the, the baby bottle mm-hmm. nipples uh, over it as a makeshift silencer, but really, that goes back to how she feels about uh, the, them forcing them to... Yeah. Them forcing her to kill her baby. Yeah. She's now killing them with baby paraphernalia. Yeah. It's like... That is, I'm sure the, the the baby bottle thing was in the in the in the original comic. It was, mm-hmm. and it may be there for the same reason. I don't know, but the fact that that's how they used it here, I thought was genius. Oh, agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how, in many ways, Batman. Well, what it reminded me of is the end of Murder on the Orient Express. Mm. Not to reveal, mm-hmm. not to spoil that if you've not read the book or seen any of the, what, three movies at this point. But uh, when Poirot Poirot figures out who the killer is in that book and in those movies, he doesn't take them in. Yeah. Much like Batman doesn't take Gilda in here because in many ways he can't say he wouldn't do the same thing in in some ways. Maybe not go through it the way she did. Yeah. he can understand her point of view. I, I, and maybe that's just now she's no longer a danger, so he's not as worried. I think or yes, but at the same time, I think it's more the fact that because he ends up with saying Harvey was my friend, and he mm-hmm. understood that Harvey was taking in this story, Harvey was taking the blame of Holiday Killer to mm-hmm. protect Gilda, and so he, yes. this was his final, um, this Devotion is his final way of going, Harvey. You're, this is I'm, this is me showing you my friendship. I'm not gonna let your wife, yeah, uh, take the blame for this. Even though she technically should have, yeah, taken yeah. the blame for it. Yeah. Plus, maybe he's also thinking after because he's seen all the people he's thrown into Arkham. She being in Arkham is probably not a good idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> it seems like people go crazier in Arkham Asylum than they get cured. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, she'd probably end up in Blackgate before she ends up in Arkham. True. But either way, she's a very tragic character, and I appreciate that it is 
the person I least su suspected because from the first time she shows up in the first movie, I'm thinking this is the puppy dog character that needs to be protected. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's the one who's probably going to accidentally get killed in the third act that's going to cause Two-Face to go crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what I was half expecting. But the fact that, oh, she is the murderer and Two-Face is protecting her mm -hmm. by taking the blame on himself, that's different. And I, and I appreciate that. I don't know if that's how it was in the comic. Because I know the comic had different endings, and I'm sure you could tell me a lot later. <laughs> but And I do plan on reading this later. Please do. Uh, it's a fantastic book. See what this is like, but... It'll have to be after December fifteenth, uh, <laughs> when I don't uh, won't get when I won't get points taken away because I bought something. Unless Jacob um, buys it for you, I already have it. You may have to let me borrow it. Sure, <laughs> but then I still can't count that because it's a because it's a borrow. Anyway, <laughs> I remember y'all's rules correctly. Anywho, uh, that's that is my second like for this. Which means we need to go into our dislikes, and I'm going to have to pull the host card. And claim my claim the first dislike for this one because I'm anxious to hear this. I have thoughts. <laughs> so we talked about Fire away, Captain. I'm not the captain. You are the leader of this thing. You're just allowing me to you're just allowing me to run the engineering panel over here. <laughs> okay, Scotty. <laughs> I don't think she can do it, Captain. <laughs> you kinda changed the laws of physics. <laughs> And yet Gilda did. Oh, wait. We're getting to my story. Somehow, yeah. Somehow she did. Some of that I kind of wonder how she pulled off, to be honest, because she does not look anything like the holiday killer. We no, see she doesn't. You're getting into my dislike. Stop it. Sorry. I'll go into my dislike. <laughs> my dislike for this. It's going to take me a little bit to build into it, so bear with me. We talked earlier about how this animation style where we talked about it even in part one, how we're not really fans of this animation no. style. I like I like the art of it, but the actual animation, how they move it around, is not that good. It's it feels cheap. Mm -hmm. That opening but I got scene. To thinking about it. That you know opening what? scene wherever uh Ivy oh, gosh, and Bruce yes. I was like, What is happening? I thought my deep my Blu-ray player was glitching. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. I, I, I got to pondering this. Why? What is it about the art style I don't like? The, the, not the art style, the animation style I don't like. Well, I don't like that it feels stiff, for one mm -hmm. thing. Makes sense. And admittedly, since uh, 2004, I believe, you can pretty much assume anything made after that is not using cell animation. It is digital animation at that mm -hmm. point and um stiffness in animation is almost inherent with vector animation which is kind of what this essentially what this is using is vector style animation mm -hmm. i can't complain about that too much because uh, based off it being vector animation because i've seen vector animation look 10 times 100 times better than this so it's not that it's vector animation that's the problem Mm -hmm. It's not that it's digital because I've seen digital stuff look better than this. Right. I think what I don't like about this is that it's full of lazy decisions. Hmm. And that's really my dislike is like almost every, hmm. there's a couple spots where like we said, the fight scenes with poison Ivy and the scene there, the fight scenes at the end are beautifully done, but there's also a lot of scenes where they are not, they are almost, 
going as cheap. They're cutting as many corners as they can to get past these dialogue scenes Agreed. in a lot of cases. And that culminates in my actual dislike because all of the shortcuts took to them making obvious CG horse oh. show up in this movie. Yes. <laughs> First off, I have questions as to why Arkham Asylum, a place filled with super criminals who are crazy, why they have horses on on the ground at all. Equestrian therapy. I'll, I'll go uh, with that. That works. I admittedly, <laughs> that, that makes sense, but I'll go with it. But the thing is, they obviously did not know how to animate this horse in their cheap art <laughs> style, and cheap animation style. So what do they do? They make a 3D horse and they try to make him look 2D, but there's way too many times where his, a, his, anima his cheap animation style doesn't match everyone else's cheap animation style. Mm -hmm. And it kind of make, does a space... When I, when I think of... Maybe using the wrong terms here. But it kind of makes you undergo like a spatial dysphoria where he's 3D, but everything else is 2D. Mm -hmm. And I've... In other times where we've seen obvious 3D stuff done in 2D, like mm -hmm. um, the cart in Emperor's New Groove, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the the clock tower in uh, the the Great Mouse Detective, yeah, right. those it works, and we're imp and I'm mostly impressed with it because it fits the art style of what they're doing. Yes, it's the only way they could have produced this, and yeah, it stands out a little bit, but you know, it was. In the past, the technology was still growing. We are in 2021, and we have a CG <laughs> horse that looks worse than the clock tower and Great Mouse Detective. Wow. Yeah, agreed. What is going on here? Do you think that's see, why the there's thing. a If they made it fit better, I would live with it. I wouldn't care. <laughs> if, the, if, it was, if it was supposed to, if it only showed up when Batman was under joking, uh, Scarecrow's fear toxin, and right. this was some strange fear-induced hallucination of this 3D horse in the 2D. I could live with that because that can rationalize that. This horse is 3D throughout the whole stinking movie, no matter what, no matter how Batman's feeling. I agree. Right. And I'm still looking at it going, why? Why did you take this such a cheap route with this horse? And I know this is a stupid thing to get hung up on, but that is the most offensive animation I've seen in a long time. <laughs> when the rest of the movie, while the animation's not great, it's better than this. And that's just the stupidest turn I have ever seen a movie make with its animation choices. Because it, it's not even cell animated. It's 3D cell shading on this thing. Yeah, it looks right. like it belonged in Spider-Man: Enter the Spider-Verse, <laughs> and it doesn't work. It wouldn't work in that movie either, but it definitely doesn't work here. Anyway, oh my rant over. <laughs> who would like to say their next disappointment? Since I went out of order, go Dallas. Uh, all right, so my next one um, is it, since we 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 you kind of tapped on it earlier, uh, Gilda doesn't make sense. For any of the animated scenes where we see um, the the murderer, Holiday, at all. Her body does not fit the when you see him in the grove yeah. 
uh, at the murder of, of Maroni. You don't see it when mm-hmm. at the, the death of Alberto. Killing Alberto didn't even make sense. There was no explanation for that whatsoever. That this was a man she loved. It doesn't make sense for her to have killed him the way she did. Yeah. I, I, I can take that she killed him because she was mad at him for not sticking up for her. Maybe? I can see that. But at the same That's time, be like... I can get, though. I yeah, but just, like, like... Go ahead. I, I was just... It just didn't work for me. Like, nothing... And again, it's... It was... I get that they wanted to change the story for the, their reasons. And it was a great, like, oh, my God, Gelda? Really? Like, it really, it took me by surprise. Until, like, right at the end when he started questioning the whole Oxford thing, uh, yeah, that's whenever that was I was like, oh, it's Gilda. It's not, it's not Dent. Um, that's what they're going with it. Um, but even with that, it's just, like, it didn't line up. What were you going to say, Jacob? No, no, I was when when you mentioned the the Oxford turn, I was like, oh, okay, that's that's when it started turning like who like who the holiday killer really was. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I I, to- I totally see your point because like looking at the way the comic, like understanding how the comic ended originally and how this ends, it, it still makes it it throws you for a loop. It's like okay, it's the wife. I like I understand her motivation, but the idea of does she does she don like this big suit to become the holiday killer? Like in every I mean, scene, it's a guy who's built like Harvey Dent. <laughs> exactly, who's tall. Borrow, she she went to another production there on the uh, Warner Brothers grounds and borrowed Brain's suit from the Pink and the Brain <laughs> show. <laughs> somehow she's able to fit in there. That's what happened. That's the only way to explain it. Like because again, every time you see the animation of of Holiday. It, the body type does not line up. I don't care what... She, she has to grow an extra, like, what, two and a half feet? Two feet? She has yeah, to bulk up? Like, I mean, there's some big shoulder pads she's, she's like wearing. She's inches shorter than Harvey. Yeah, she's right? a very petite woman. And, it, like, every... My, my thought was, it's the fact that, they, like, she convinces Harvey, or at least his two-faced side, to go do the deed. So that's why you see a man as... Um, as Holiday. Sophia but, was a better body size for the holiday killer than Gilda. Yes, agreed. But it's just I, I completely, I completely see your point. That's because she's a giant ape of a woman. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I want to call her a woman. I mean, like an ape. I want to, <laughs> let me rephrase that. Yes, please. Let me do. rephrase that. Please be call like, her a woman. I want to call her an ape. <laughs> Admittedly, I may have overstepped my bounds there. Right, but just a, a, yeah, maybe she's a bit. A large I mean. Woman. <laughs> She's Very a large muscular. Italian woman who would bench press you, Drew. Yes. Exactly. I really shouldn't be saying anything because she could kill me. Yeah, very <laughs> easily. She'd break you so, like spell over egg. Over egg? Over knee. What? I, you're talking about crushing a sparrow edge between my thighs. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Lord. But anyways, that was my issue was Gilda, like, the animation did not make sense for them to mm-hmm. paint dependent on her. The way it plays out in the comic, it makes sense for you to go, oh, maybe, but not not the way they played off in here, not at all. Yeah, agreed. It would have been different if she was more Harvey Dent's size, but yeah, you're like right. at least taller. She doesn't fit. She, she she doesn't fill out that costume. No, there's mm-hmm. no way she did. I mean, yeah, my, my... shoulder pads were big in the '80s, but not that big. Yeah, yeah agreed. Agreed. The the they, only they didn't make you grow three feet. No. No, 
again, my only explanation would be is like she somehow taps into Harvey Dent's dark side and makes him uh, go do the deed and hint Harvey doesn't remember doing it. So mm-hmm. that seems too convoluted for the way the story is handled. Agreed. Anyway, so. Agreed. So that's that's the only explanation I could give for that. Don't Jake get me wrong, Detroit. I love convolutions, but yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's just more. It's like uh, that's in my mind rationalizing. It's like that's the only reason why. That's the only reason how they could have done that. But right. your your point of the uh, the the unexpecting wife being the killer of the entire time. And she somehow morphing herself into a fi- a a male figure that looks like Harvey Dent. Yeah, this makes no sense. It almost feels like when they started storyboarding this, they intended for the Holiday Killer to actually be Harvey Dent. Yeah, but then somewhere over the course of the story, they changed it to Gilda. But it was after they had done all the rest of the animation for it. It's almost yeah. what it feels like. If they had kept Holiday in the shadows, where all you saw was maybe the hat, maybe the back, mm-hmm. or the glove, the, the sleeve, yeah, then I could have I could have rolled with you guys on this. But they showed too yeah, many yeah. full frame shots of them. I I hear what you're saying. Completely agree. It's it's it, it falls in that non believability. It, it, it causes you to lose your. Uh, your suspension of disbelief. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's the word I'm looking for. Okay. So my second hey, dislike. Hey, 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 wait a minute. You didn't get mine first. <laughs> my apologies. First dislike, <laughs> my friend. Well, actually, mine actually goes into your 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 uh, first dislike. Ah. The exact same. Oh my gosh, the animation. <laughs> so Dallas brought this up. I think is either either you or Dallas brought it up. Dallas brought it up. And yes. I, and I, I mean no offense. But I do wonder if I noticed the uh, the uh, the animation more now because we talked about it. Yes, because <laughs> I don't. I swear I don't remember it looking as much like Archer the first time. Mm-hmm. But looking at it, and I was like, oh man, I can see that 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 movement perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So speaking of Archer, I kind of title it the Archer animation style. Definitely the beginning, <laughs> where where we get uh, Bruce is being manipulated by. Uh, uh, poison ivy. Poison yeah, ivy. poison ivy. Thank you. I went brain. I went brain fired. Like what the character's name again? <laughs> but um, poison ivy. I'm looking at like, oh my god, like the the huge thick lines for the outline of the characters. I'm like, this looks terrible. Like what in the world are they thinking? <laughs> like it gets better throughout the rest of the 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 episode or episode the movie, mm-hmm. but it's just. Like they start off with this really chunky art, and I'm like, this isn't like to like artistically. This is not attractive at all. It's very like again blocky and just like like yeah. I understand you're trying to make it look more like a comic, but it looks so just like not appealing at all. Thankfully, they 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 sharpen they 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 tool down the edges a little bit there again. Like you said before, Drew, the fact that it looks like cheap animation. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this, this scene, it looks so incredibly cheap. It, that just drove me up the wall. I was like, what in the world? <laughs> so yeah, my, my, my first dislike is the art, the uh, Archer style of animation. And that, that first scene where Bruce has been 
in captivity for what? Th- two months? Two, three months? Three months. It's yeah. like March. Yeah, in three months. Well, it's after St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So, in fact, I, I, was, I, I couldn't figure out if this was happening on April Fool's Day or like right after April Fool's Day. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's my first dislike. What is your second dislike, Drew? Well, I need to actually ask uh, Dallas a question. Because okay. he's actually read the book. My question is, is the three months that Poison Ivy has control of Bruce in the movie, does that happen in the comic? Yes. Okay. I don't remember it being three I months. Feel like she's useless in this movie. <laughs> Say what? She, otherwise, I feel like she, she was just thrown in this movie for the sole purpose of allowing part one to have a cliffhanger as right. it's after credit scene. Yeah. No, she was in it um, in the book. Uh, the Joker was in it. Uh, Calendar Man was in it. And obviously Riddler was in it. Uh, I don't remember a ton of other characters being showing up, though. I think Scarecrow was in it. But I don't, it I don't just, remember Hatter. It's just her being used in this... Well, for one thing... Her, the, the version of her they, that's used in this is, like, completely different from every other form of Poison Ivy I've seen. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, I've not read a lot of Batman comics, if I'm being honest. But it felt like this was not... I couldn't figure out what her motivation for working for Falcone was. And it felt like, for the most part, she, like I said, she was here so part one could have an after credit scene cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there was one point where I was watching and going, Alfred, are you, are you happy with this? Because you seem to be playing along. You've got to be under the same mind control Bruce is. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes so like the end when Catwoman cuts it off that you actually, oh yeah, he's under control too. Yeah. It's like, you could have shown that a little faster, in my opinion. <laughs> it was and funny because when we watched has that. Been, and the other problem this gives for me is, not only is probably Bruce Wayne not gone out or gone out very little during this time while Poison Ivy's got her uh, her uh, vines around vines her? in him, for lack of a better term. Batman probably has, not, has definitely not gone out during this time. No. They show that, and no one has put, no one involved in any of this has pointed out, hey, we've got con- uh, Bruce Wayne, is not, is, we've got control of Bruce Wayne in the mob. The mob's not thinking, we got control of Bruce Wayne. Why is Batman not showing up? I wonder if there's a connection there. And and no one is thinking, hey, Bruce Wayne hasn't shown up in any of these high society things. It's not really strange for him, but usually at least makes a token appearance around town every once right. in a while. By the way, have you seen Batman? He hadn't shown up either. Mm-hmm. Gee, I wonder. <laughs> to be fair. I wonder if Bruce Wayne could be Batman. Right? <laughs> Admittedly, I go into this knowing, okay, Bruce Wayne is Batman. Everybody in our world knows this. Even people who have never watched a Batman movie knows Batman is Bruce Wayne and that Bruce Wayne is rich. So maybe that's me looking at it strangely, but why has nobody put that's this at, together in this yeah. movie yet? And I get that Bat- this is like like Batman's second year right in uh in while he's doing stuff of actually being Batman. Right. So maybe they haven't put two and two together yet, but mm-hmm. There's just so much left open here. And it's like, has no one seen all the vines growing around <laughs> Wayne Manor? <laughs> this you know, is legitimately fixed with a fire here. This is legitimately <laughs> one of my issues with the changeup they did because um, in the comics, 
he wasn't just confined to the house with her like they made it appear in this movie um he would he went out like he actually went to the board meetings to sign over yeah. the rights to things to uh falcone and that mm-hmm. would make a lot more sense and yeah. you could have shown that you had the backgrounds for those scenes for made for other scenes you could have made that work here mm-hmm. there was no reason to keep him cooped up in wayne manor the whole time Plus, you're telling me Poison Ivy's got her vines all over Wayne Manor and hasn't found the secret, even accidentally, yeah. found the secret entrance to the Batcave? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Agreed. They've been there for three months. <laughs> it's a, I don't care how big Wayne Manor is, you are going to accidentally set that thing off somehow because Bruce Wayne pretty much has to get there as soon as he can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Probably more than one entrance. I don't know this for certain, but I'm betting there's more than one entrance. But anyway, Poison Ivy feels like a could have been left out of this and the story would have fared better. Or just done it more like the comic. Here's a wild idea. <laughs> <laughs> Starting to sound like me, Drew. I'm just saying, if, the, if what you're adapting is doing it better than what you're doing, maybe look at how the comic did it. They may have an idea how this story is supposed just maybe, to go. Just maybe. So uh, Dallas, what's your second dislike? I'm I, I've been debating because I have two more on my list that, that I was trying to figure out which one I wanted to say. Um, but I'm going to go with the conversation about um, the villain team up at the very end. Um, again, it just it doesn't it doesn't work with the world that they've established. I don't care how, that he freed them from arkham these are the villains that harvey put away himself they're not going to work with them they're not going to want to help him i would agree yeah he's it, still an unknown quantity to them he is the new guy if he's actually on their side exactly mm-hmm. it just made no sense the, there 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 is a specific thing that t- there's several things that took place in the comics where because the, there was a team up at the end of the villains and it made sense because of some backstory they built up but here, nothing. It's just like, it's like he formed the the Dark Avengers. He's like, let's go kill Falcone, and that was it. And it didn't make any sense. So that that's one of my biggest. That's that's one of my 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 dislikes about it. It's just it, it's a the the villain plot. The the rogues gallery has been such a big plot hole issue the entire time um, that we've been doing the, of this entire film and. I just it, it annoyed me. The fight scene was cool. It was fun, but it just doesn't work. It falls. When you Agreed. if you think right. about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it it does make you think when you said that. That there's there's so many little plots in this movie they just but like once you like start like rationalizing them and start breaking them down, they make it makes no sense. Right. So there you go. All right, Jacob. Mine uh, kind of goes to a question. Kind of goes to a question. Uh, like all the dislikes are great; they are very valid in themselves. Mine is primarily a question. All right. So at the very end of the movie, the very end of the movie, Batman confronts uh, Harvey's wife. What's her name again? Gilda. Gilda. Thank you. Uh, so he confronts Gilda, and she says, "Be like, yeah, the the long Halloween is over." The uh, the holiday killer is done, but is she? 
But like, yes, she be like Batman does not turn her in because he was a Harvey was a beloved friend of his. And so he doesn't want to turn he doesn't want to turn in uh Gilda. But my question would be or is is the holiday killer done? Is Gilda done doing what she's set out to do? Yes, she's killed all the the uh all the mob in literal she's literally defanged it. <laughs> but is she truly done? Because it leaves it open. It leaves it open because now be like, yeah, she's throwing away all the 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 holiday killer uh, evidence and burning it, but she's still the mastermind behind the holiday killer. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Batman lets her go. So are we going to see replicate replications of this in future installments of films, or is this be like to me? It's like this story isn't done. If we're, if we're leaving the idea that Gilda is the, is the true mastermind behind everything. And Harvey, you know, took the fall for Gilda, mm-hmm. which like makes sense because he loves her, but be like her sense of revenge. Be like, is that truly satisfied? Cause the idea be like, if be like you get revenge and you hear this so often through pop culture and media that, like yeah, you get revenge, but you still have to be like your your that desire is still going to continue. Mm. That you are you want revenge, but you it's never satisfied because mm-hmm. that 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 sinful desire is still there. So you can't mm-hmm. like it's still not contained. Right. So you're that's you're still going to have to to lust after something else in order to satisfy that desire. So my question still remains: Is Gilda? The holiday killer finished. I don't think so. Because it leaves it up so ambiguously that it could be like she could still go kill more people to satisfy that desire or that revenge Mm -hmm. that is still unfulfilled in her life. Yeah. Right. So that that's my question. So I I don't think it's done. Well, you know have you you know why ice cream and revenge are are the same? Are, are similar because they're best served cold, and they're and they're uh, and they say revenge is sweet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is true. Ice cream is like revenge because uh, revenge—it's uh, they're both cold and best served. They're both both best served cold and they're sweet. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> so anyway, sorry. yeah, just just how this movie ends and understanding Bruce's perspective, how much he 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 loved Harvey to death as a friend, and he just lets Gilda go. And to me, looking at it from a Christian perspective, no, she's not done. Because there, there's no way on earth to be like, if you've had this desire to kill yeah. to kill an entire family. And she's completely unrepentant about no, it. No, she's not. Yeah. She's completely like, it's like, yeah, oh yeah, he's be like, the, the killing's done. But is it? Right. I don't think so. Because the way this movie is left open, it's like, they could simply go back to be like, nope, Gilda becomes the the holiday killer again, or be like, they could do all kinds of stuff with the story. It just, far as I understood with the comic, the the uh, the uh, the forgotten son is the killer. Yeah. And Har- what is it? Harvey takes the fall. Uh, it's yes and no. It's kind of ambiguous. It's, yeah, it's supposed to be ambiguous. It's ambiguous. But we know for time, sure that what. Go ahead. Go and we know for sure that the son 
was um, um, the Holiday Killer, uh, yes. which in that of itself was one of my one of my my problems with this movie series was uh, Falcone was not a butthole towards his son, as as we saw in those movies in the comic books. He generally loved his son, but he thought his son wasn't strong enough to be involved with the uh, with these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and also in the comics, he brings in Sophia. In fact, when Sophia goes, "I want to help," he goes, "Your family needs you," and she's now on the case, on the hunt to find out who the Holiday is and to get rid of Holiday herself which was another slap in the face of Antonio because he wasn't allowed in the room. He wasn't allowed to help the family. He was considered weak the entire time. Which So this was a whole thing was him proving himself to his father. That makes sense. And um, so, uh, but with that, there was this ambiguous, because um, at the end, it is Two-Face who goes, uh, who revealed to Batman and Gordon, he goes, I always told you there were two of them. And um, there were always two holiday killers. And um, Gordon and Bruce, and this is no changeup, Gordon and Batman, they assumed he was just talking out of his head as if he's obsessed with with twos now that he's Two-Face. They never came to the the conclusion about Gilda. Gilda happens basically in an after-credits scene of her doing that in secret. Hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just the the way this movie, the way it ends. It's like yeah. okay, yeah, it's I just, get you. There again, there's there's a lot of how if you dissect this movie so much, you just you it breaks apart. And there's just I, I I like the movie. It's great, but when you dissect it, it's just it's just crumbles. Mm. Yeah, it's a fun movie, but yeah. Uh, well, I'm not gonna go further because I'll give my my rating. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, uh, if we're ready, we'll move and move into the ratings. Yeah, Dallas. What is um, my rating? Uh, again, trying to understand. This was a fun film. It was enjoyable, but when you take the step back and you look at everything that's going on, there's a lot of major plot holes that bothered me. Um, so. I'm going to give it a seven, maybe okay. a six point five. Seven, okay, going with a seven. Okay, okay going with seven. Uh, like after the before the conversation, I had a I had a, I had a number in my head, but after this, you know, very long discussion about this film, uh, that has changed rapidly. So. <laughs> Uh, which which is always good. It's always good when you yeah. when you when you have great conversation. It changes your perspective on things. Sure, it helps you understand things better. This is why I generally don't put a number on it until it's my turn to say something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much the opposite. I've got a number set, and then the conversation uh, progresses more and more and more. It's like, oh, okay, now I see what's going on. Yeah, totally get it now. Uh, so mine would definitely be. I'll definitely give it a seven be like, it's fun. It's a fun movie. There's some good animation here and there. Uh, like it's got some, like the meat of the story is there, but yeah. once you start, uh, dissecting everything, it falls apart. Mm-hmm. Like almost the entire story falls apart. And, uh, like you have great, great voice actors, just, you know, good story beat, but 
there again, you 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 cut into it and you start peeling the layers of the onion apart. It just starts falling apart as a film. So yeah, fun film, but you 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 dive into the rabbit hole. You're just gonna get you're gonna get so lost and just it gets so mm-hmm. messy. It's such yeah. a messy movie, but probably six point five. Probably six point five for me. Like I said, I don't normally give a number. I don't. I don't actually never give a number before we really. I, it's time for me to give a number. Mm-hmm. But if I were to have given a number to it before this afternoon, when I really started trying to think about my thoughts on this movie, mm-hmm. I'm like y'all. I think I would have given it a seven. But after having seriously thought about the movie, I think I'm going to have to take it down a, a notch to six. Wow. Okay. And the reason is, I get the feeling that this, they approach this like a what if story. Mm. Like, what if for certain that uh, Gilda was the holiday killer and there was no, none of this ambiguousness with other people? But the problem with that is, they didn't think it out uh, through <laughs> enough because they're still trying to adapt all the major plot points. <coughs> and admittedly, I'm looking at this as a what if story after I just saw nine very good what if stories <laughs> that Marvel made. And I'm looking at this going, y'all this did not put as much thought into this as y'all really should have because <laughs> you leave too many things to make you think mm-hmm. even after they reveal Gilda is, is the hall is holiday. Right. There's still too many, n- nothing of dense, possibilities is resolved away mm-hmm. right. nothing of uh the first movie's uh version of uh what is his name alberto none of that clears up either it still feels like they are also the holiday killer yeah right which it's supposed to be her then throughout all all the holidays right but they make it feel like they that they left in all the red herrings that didn't resolve themselves. When you have red herrings, you're supposed to resolve them to make it so, so like, of course, that couldn't have been them. Mm-hmm. Right. But they left it open enough where it still feels like it's them. Mm-hmm. And I'm still looking at what if the, that show and thinking they did nine stories, actually 10, but one of them has got pushed off till season two for it to actually be released. Right. And they did such a good job with all of them that I can't look at this and going, y'all should be paying attention to what Marvel's doing because they. Just showed y'all up. Yes. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, they were telling more original stories, so they had to put more thought into it. But if you're adapting a story and you've decided you want to make one person specifically the killer, you better adapt the rest of it to where it feels like by the time that's revealed, it makes sense that she's the only person who the killer could be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they didn't do that here. And that's my general thoughts on why it's a six. So, real talk, if the horse wasn't so bad, would it have been a seven? No. <laughs> if the horse wasn't there, it might have gone up to 6.5. The, hey, the horse knocked it down along with this other thoughts of the mystery being completely poorly written. Oh, hey, they, they, they could have gone more cheaper. They could have just created a character with coconuts. <laughs> that would have made it better. <laughs> that actually would that would have made it better. It would have pissed the fans off royally. But that would have made the film better. <laughs> Make it a parody of itself. Ha- have the Mad Hatter just following the, the Scarecrow? Yes. Yes! <laughs> that would have... Yeah. 
I'm now picturing this. The Mad Hatter actually being in the uh, harness with coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Francisco's going to love this. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that brings us to the end of another episode, which means we need to talk about what we're reviewing on our next episode. Which our next episode, now that we're moving out of Halloween, we are moving into our yearly tradition of Ghibli and Miyazaki month. Mm -hmm. Let's go! And our first movie for this month is going to be Palm Poco. Oh, nice. Another movie that we suggest you don't let your kids see. <laughs> <laughs> because even though it would have worked fine as a kid's movie in Japan, there are some cultural differences that I'm going to suggest... Don't work over here. Yeah, apparently they're very large, too. <laughs> they're, they're, they're tanukis. Just Google search what tanukis are famous for in Japan, and we'll move yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, in, in Japanese culture. Yeah. But anyway, uh, before we leave, I put on Facebook today a trivia question. And, uh, or in the day of recording, I put a trivia question in here. I'm going to read it right quick. What was released on November 5th, 2004... That is generally considered the last major production in the United States using blank prior to the video game Cuphead. Any ideas? What was the game or the? It was a, the it, was a it was a TV show. I'll give you that. I'll be that nice. TV show. It was an episode of a TV show. Traditional animation. I'm not going to answer actually here. Okay. Oh. Next okay. week, I gotcha. will reveal the answer, but I wanted to go ahead and read the trivia question. The I event. gotcha. Good call. Dang. So uh, join us next week for that, plus our review of Pom Poco. I think I would know this by now. Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast. Oh, boy. Where can we find you at, Dallas? Uh, you can find me at geekdevotions.com where uh, my wife and I, uh, we're the co-creators of Geek Devotions where we take uh, geek pop culture items like movies, video games, and comic books. We use them to let people know that they are loved. We do that through weekly devotionals. Uh, we use, do it through a podcast called Calm Talk by Geek Devotions. Uh, a new podcast that we just started called The Bottom Shelf where my friends uh, John Haru and Kevin, the dapper man himself, uh, review terrible movies so that you don't have to watch them. And... Um, yeah, that's uh, pretty much all of our stuff. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look for Geek Devotions. Awesome. So uh, we th we, we're glad you were able to join us uh, yeah, thank you, Dale. two weeks in a row, Dallas. Yes. Uh, it's been fun. more than I could have asked for, Meowth, even though I did ask. <laughs> you had to put the insanity out of us two. <laughs> hey, you well, guys are I mean, fun. I love you guys. Put yourself up for this movie. I got to think, does he mean both? Does he only really want to review one of these two movies? <laughs> Surely not, but I'll double ask. And you said sure, so hey, we thank I, you for coming on. Yes, very much. Thank you. When it comes to Batman, I'm all game. When it comes to hanging out with you guys, I'm always game. All righty then. So join us next week for Palm Poco. And until then, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. So where can they find you, Jacob? You can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron, also on Facebook at Jacob Daily Art Corner, where I try to draw each and every day. I don't get to it as often as I like, but uh, join me there. Also, you can find me on Instagram at Jacob B. Heron, on Twitter 
at Jacob Heron and Letterbox at Jacob Heron. So where can they find you, Drew? You can also follow me on Letterbox at GGeorge759, Facebook as Drew Dodgen, uh, my Facebook page where you can see pictures I've taken at Drew's Photo Bin. You can also follow me on Twitter at GGeorge759. You can email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cast underscore cell. You can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thecellcastgaming. You can also follow us on YouTube at Cellcast. Listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and your favorite podcast directory. You can also listen to us on the Movie of the Week podcast with Jim Heron, where we talk about live-action movies. And remember, Cell is a single single L. L.